He is the way and the truth and the life. We have to die in order to live. What's up, Father? Just hanging out on a beautiful day. I love the weather. So we're now, what, um, almost two weeks since Father Brady left. Yes, and so far the church is only halfway burned down, and the op- but the offices are good. I heard, uh, I heard you were trying to put out a fire in the church with matches this morning. Well, you know, it's the only thing I could find. What better way to put out a fire than with something with gas? You know? With gas. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are listening, I do uh, sarcasm is my love language. He was not actually trying to do that, although he is from Scott, and it wouldn't surprise us. No, I'm I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, I was kind of joking. I was like, well, you know, now that Father Father Brady's been gone for so long. You know, as long as I can maintain things by myself, everything will be all right. And then I started to contemplate, what about building a high school, you know? We just uh, just build one. We'll kind of tear down the old church and then make that the spot for the high school. And so we'll have an elementary all the way to high school. I got an even better idea. Let's buy up some of the houses down the street. We'll demo them and we'll build a high school. So this is our official kickoff to the St. Pius Elementary High School <laughs> Capital Campaign. Yeah, we're going to start a GoFundMe. It's going to say, help me. <laughs> and then you could donate to that. Yep. Um, so if you would like to donate, it's at. Fo- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, at help Father Poirier. <laughs> Poor Father Brady. He has no idea what he's, what he's left you with. Yeah. No, he knows exactly what he left me with. <laughs> <laughs> and just to update all of you, I was literally just texting him before we hit record. Um, and he said he's feeling great today. He's hoping that he'll be on a plane uh, or that, that you know, he'll have, I guess, a positive swab or negative swab or whatever it is that he needs at this point to get on a plane Friday. So that's kind of the plan. That's the hope. So if y'all would pray for that. Um, I know he would appreciate it. I know he's ready to be home. Yeah, um, the plan is be back home Friday afternoon. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the plane would be scheduled to leave Friday morning. And then I know it's a seven-hour difference or a nine-hour difference. I think seven. I have a a clock set on my iPhone um, for when I need to text him and ask him things. (laughs) I know what time it is there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the the time difference, he'll be jet-lagged, I'm sure. But so he flies in and I fly out. Yep. Where are you flying to? I'm going to Orlando. Orlando. Don't tell Alicia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't tell anyone. But we're going to we're going to uh, we're going to Disney World. Uh, Universal. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not Universal. I'm going to a training conference. I'll be there for the weekend. So uh, okay. Don't miss me next week. Well. I know it'll be tough for you. It'll, it'll be, well, not that tough. No, it's okay. I'll text you every now and then just so you don't get too lonesome. We'll survive. <laughs> so um, we were just talking about, you know, who's better, Luke or Matthew? Yeah, the, uh, so well, actually I forget. Fulton Sheen had a talk and he says, you know, I'll tell you who's the fastest disciple, but not yet. And it's actually pulled from one of the Gospels, you know, who's the fastest. And so right here we have the Beatitude. So I can't tell you who's the fastest. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the beloved disciple. Okay, okay. I just just wanted to drop that. uh, And if you don't know who the beloved disciple is, well, you have to look it up. Yeah. uh, So hang around for the resurrection. We'll tell you all about it. Hang around till the next episode. Uh, 
so today, uh, well, in our Gospels for the uh, past weekend, we pulled from St. Luke's Gospel. St. Luke has the kind of a modified version of the Beatitudes of Matthew. Matthew has eight Beatitudes, but Luke only has four. And so Luke kind of gets more, I guess, to the point. He's got a... Uh, you know, he has something to say, and he doesn't have a lot of time to say it. Mm. So, but it's... Uh, so who's better, Matthew or Luke? Oh, we can't say who's better. Why? So, well, it depends, right? So if, if you like things to be spelled out more, well, then Matthew. If you want things to get more to the point, Luke. And so we'll just say that. They're on an equal playing field. What was it? Uh, St. Augustine. They're both saints. Wow. Okay, look at that. They're both <laughs> uh, the gospel writers. Uh, so St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas. But one was a tax collector and one was a physician. <laughs> Come on. Who do you think Jesus liked more? The tax collector, of course. <laughs> Called him back. Uh but St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas both say that Matthew's, from chapter 25, his Beatitudes, his eight Beatitudes, are contained within uh, St. Luke's uh, Beatitudes. So, four be- so each Beatitude holds uh, two of them. Um, but for all intents and purposes, we could just kind of tackle those four and... Uh, or, you know, talk about whichever ones we can, because the Beatitudes is an immensely dense topic. I kind of made a joke about this at the beginning of my homily, that there's a few topics or there's a few Gospels throughout the years that when they come up is kind of more or less a, a migraine for the, the preacher, because there's such a dense topic. Right. So like preaching on the Trinity, holy moly, uh, or, you know, preaching on the Beatitudes, because the Beatitudes is the source that is the is the pinnacle of Christian living is that Christian perfection. And so that's why we have in St. Matthew's Gospel. And I believe that St. St. Luke's, too. Uh, they climb up the mountain. And so they climb up. The, I think it's just St. Matthew's. He climbs up the mountain and for the Jews. This is where God reigned, right? So Moses, Abraham, Elijah, they all climbed up the mountain to speak to God and then came down from the mountain. So anytime Christ ascends a mountain, it's it's very important. So the Beatitudes or the Transfiguration. Um, So he uh, climbs up the mountain and speaks the eight Beatitudes, um, which is kind of the pinnacle, the perfection of the Christian life. And so we can all hold these beatitudes. The and, center of the gospels, one might count, mm-hmm. might call it. Mm-hmm. And so they, uh, everyone, we can all hold these beatitudes to greater or lesser degrees, right? Some days I'm really good at these beatitudes and other days, you know, I can definitely be better. It's, uh, it just depends on, you know, how we're, how we're uh, functioning in regards with the Holy Spirit. But these beatitudes, the pinnacle of Christian living, Christian life. This is where they're kind of um, topsy-turvy, or they're uh, the contradictions. There are curses that are blessings. I remember my, my professor, Dr. Brad Petrie, who I'm sure a lot of people know, is a very famous scholar. Uh, he was kind of big on this in regards to the Beatitudes, that he called them the, ble- the curses that are blessings. And he said, if you don't believe that curses can be blessings, look at the cross. Right, the ultimate supposedly curse came our biggest blessing. And so he said, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed blessed are those who are persecuted. These are, you know, are the things that are typically held in higher esteem. But God 
lifts up the lowly. And God preaches this Christian perfection with him. Uh, they're topsy-turvy. They don't make sense without the faith. That's important to realize. Um, but each one, I mean, each beatitude is a, is a dense topic, uh, but a, amazing to go into. Uh, I think also a great way to examine your conscience before confession. Um, you know, have I been poor? Have I been detached from material goods? Have I been overly concerned about it, living outside my means? Uh, or have I been doing well with that? And so, and so on and so forth. So what exactly are the Beatitudes? Like, mm-hmm. can you say them off the top of your head? So the Beatitudes are eight. All of them. Yeah, all eight of them. All eight of them. So here's your, here's your Matthew, your, your, your test. I'm not going to be able to say all eight of them. So mm-hmm. I'll let you, I'll let you uh, finish them. But the Beatitudes are what we call like the blessings of God. So it always begins like, blessed are they who are, and then dot, 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 right? So they have the eight of us. So blessed are those who are poor. And then Matthew kind of, I think Matthew is, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And then blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are, the final one is the perfection. We'll get to that one. Uh, Blessed are the persecuted, but. You want them? Yeah, go ahead. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they when they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Yeah. And so that was kind of big time topsy-turvy about this is that how can I have joy when I'm a peacemaker because obviously there's the time of war there's just bad things going on and I have to go in there and say like uh, man I hear it all the time you know someone in the family passed away and now after the funeral there's a lot of uh, fighting going on in the family about different things right and so someone goes in one of the kids one of whoever goes in there and starts kind of making peace but man what a turmoil time what a kind of a tough time and uh or blessed are the poor i mean you know to kind of be poor in spirit what does that mean and then to be what does it mean so each one i we can do we can do it like a rapid fire and i could kind of try to explain each one very quickly okay Uh, do we want to go through matthews and then counter contrast that to luke's yeah, we can do that. Okay. So, um, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So, this is one of the ones I gave my homily on this past weekend. We didn't hear your homily. Um, oh, you you preached at the five. We we had your former pastor. Yeah, yeah, Father Gil did tell. Yeah, he made fun of you the whole time. That's perfectly fine. He's the he's pretty much the only one that can. He knows me through and through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So being poor does not make you blessed by itself, right? Because if it did, I mean, us helping the poor would be pretty bad then. 
because we're taking away their blessing. They're no longer poor. Mm-hmm. And so being poor, and, and St. Luke's has just said, blessed are those who are poor. St. Augustine is very clear on this. It means poor means humble. That you can be, you can have money. Money can't have you. And St. Th- uh, Teresa of Calcutta, she said some of the greediest people she ever met were some of the poorest people she ever met. Mm. And then some of the most selfless people she ever met were some of the richest. Um, it's this detachment, this healthy detachment from funds and from money. Now, I recently found out uh, about a guy here in Lafayette who's my age, um, a friend of mine. He didn't tell me this story, obviously, but uh, he landed in a career where he was making a lot of money. And um, I forget who I was talking to. I think one of the local mission companies or maybe, I don't, it's not important, but um, they said, yeah, he used to call up and say, how much money do you need? Like, I just wanna, I can't be, I can't be wealthy. And Mm -hmm. so I gotta give it away, you know? Um, And I I thought that was a really cool story. You know, just the generosity of mm -hmm. some people. I hear those stories a lot. And uh, it's and I think those stories aren't made known for a good uh, because people don't want them to be sure. Known. It's nobody's self- business. Yes, yeah, nobody's business. It's selfless giving. But but Going I need to the to, closet, right? Mm-hmm. Where your father who sees you and knows your good deeds. Mm-hmm. We'll hear that in a few weeks. Yeah, and so that. But it's, um, but that I need to examine my own heart, and okay, am I selfless? And I said one of the litmus tests for this is if I tithe. And now it's not the only litmus test, but it's a good one, Mm -hmm. you know? Am I living outside my means? Mm -hmm. Am I uh, managing funds correctly and well? Or do I have a habit of just buying things impulsively, things that I don't need and kind of constantly? Or like, does Amazon know me through and through, you know? Do you have a camera set up in my house? (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's it's a good litmus test to make sure that um, my funds are being handled correctly because that is the trait of a virtuous man that he's able to what he's given he's able to handle with care and with attention someone who's very lackadaisical with money is typically uh, people that don't get a lot or at least don't keep a lot of money and so tithing that is kind of a forethought for them because it's you know that would require me to actually schedule out or budget my income it's to be poor in spirit means to be detached from physical things so that I can be more attached to spiritual things. I can own money. Money shouldn't own me. And a healthy litmus test, not the only one, but it's a good litmus test. How is my tithing going? Money is only good for the good that it can do. Yep. I can't, I look, this piece of paper with a face on it, I understand it has value, but in the eyes of God, um, you know, he can't be bought uh, by my good works and my faith, hope and charity. Sure. All right, so that's blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they who mourn. Do I have to walk around crying? No, but it's it's important to... It's important to mourn when it's a time to mourn, mm-hmm. right? So we, we hear from the Book of Lamentations, uh, this popular, uh, I believe it's Lamentations, this popular kind of funeral reading. Uh, there's a time under the sun for everything. There's a time to uh, laugh. There's a time to cry. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to reap. There's a time to sow. There's a time to mourn. And what do I mourn over? 
we have to have the heart of God. And that's constantly my formation that I'm happy at what God's happy about. And I'm sad about what God's sad about. I'm angry about what God is angry about, not just me. Right. And so I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I understand this is becoming more and more popular, but it's always sat very not well with me when people say, oh, you know, my funeral is not going to be a funeral. It's going to be a celebration of life. And I think to myself, I say, well, I mean, that's going to that's going to be horrible for the people that love you, because it's natural to be sad and mourn when your loved one passes away and dies because it's no longer. Now, look, they might very well be in the bosom of in bosom of Abraham, uh, be with God in heaven. Right. I can't judge that, but that could very well be the case. But nevertheless, you're not here with me. Yeah. And it's a very natural thing to be sad. And it said, Jesus cried. Mm-hmm. Shortest was, line in, the shortest line in all of scripture. Mm-hmm. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And that man, that would have been, that would have been awkward if they said, no, Jesus, don't cry. What a celebration of life. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> it's, no, there's a time to mourn. Mm-hmm. There's a time to be sad. And right? it's important to know the line that I think follows after that, for they will be comforted. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think a lot of times in our mourning, we miss the reality that God is mourning with us. Mm-hmm. And that he's holding us to comfort us, you know. Um, I think the healing that comes from mourning is with the Lord comforting us and and realizing his presence in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, like I've said before, uh, you know, the, the goal of preaching is to afflict the comforted, but comfort the afflicted. Mm. And so... Yeah. Ooh, them's fighting words. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, well, then maybe you should reflect on that a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the blessed are those who are mourned. Mourn at what God is sad about and know that your mourning is not the end. Mm-hmm. Blessed are the meek. So meekness and humility are both. Not traits of ours. I mean, what? (laughs) (laughs) Both very difficult. (laughs) Meekness and humility, ironically enough, are virtues only in the Christian religion. Mm. That they were never held as virtues before. In fact, they were considered weaknesses. Interesting. Meekness is this ability to turn the other cheek. That when Christ was hit, he turned his other cheek. He said, why do you hit me? He said, if I've done something wrong, let me know. And if I have not, then why do you hit me? But but he turned the other cheek for them to hit. This is the gift of meekness, that he was silent with all the persecution, uh, standing up before Pontius Pilate and all of the uh, the town. All these... uh, these insults being waved at him, he was silent. Christ defended the dignity of others, but not the dignity of himself. This is a very deep mystery and one that's that's very hard to understand. Meekness is a virtue only in the Christian life. Mm-hmm. This ability to turn the other cheek that when I'm wronged, I don't try to defend myself. Or, uh, but not those around me. I defend the dignity of others always. Would would meekness and humility also? Would that also be like knowing yourself and and knowing where you your weaknesses are? I think humility is knowing God and knowing myself, 
And a natural natural offshoot of that is meekness. Okay. Because humility is living in the truth. And when I see what God is and what he's done for me, and I see myself and what I'm not willing to do, then meekness is like, man, I'm, I'm a little bit less quick to defend myself because, you know, I, I'm not too innocent. Even if I'm innocent in this regard, sure, I'm not innocent. So, okay. Christ was innocent and he was silent. I think I'm going to talk to my 13 year old tonight. What? (laughs) And then when he lashes out. (laughs) (laughs) Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's righteousness in two different ways. Or, uh, you know, the other one's justice. That one's the one. Righteousness is weighing the scales evenly. This is kind of with justice. That when something's wrong... Right, whether in community at large, uh, or you know, society on, on not not at large, it's you should have some type of not retribution, but some type of accountability. That you know, heaven is the perfect society, and we want to strive for that, and so we need righteousness in our lives to help make that happen. Okay. Blessed. Oh, sorry, I lost my train of my mom where where we're at. Um, blessed are the merciful. Hmm. If I want to receive mercy, I need to give mercy. Hmm. I tell people this. Can you say that again a little bit louder for the people in the back? If I want to receive mercy, I need to give mercy. And a big thing that I tell people when people tell me, Father, I just, it's just so hard for me to forgive this person. Uh, You know, they've wronged me so many times and they keep on doing it. I'm forced uh, through a relationship or something to keep in contact with this person. And every single time it's a headache and I'm just sick of it. I can't forgive them. A healthy reflection to do is to reflect on Jesus and how he forgave those who persecuted him. But even one of the miracles of the cross, not the only one, but one of them, is that Mary saw what they did to her son and she forgave them too. She saw what the, you know, the hurt, the spit, the hitting, the lashing, the lies the backbiting all that they did to her son and she forgave them too and then whenever I see how she was able to forgive how Jesus is able to forgive all of a sudden my woes are not as big as I thought they were my mountain is all of a sudden more like an anthill (laughs) and so this ability to forgive becomes easier the merciful to to get mercy I need to give mercy blessed are the clean of heart for they shall see God they say no one sees God and lives this is in the Old Testament uh, but the clean of heart and that's why being pure is so important being a chaste yeah but pure in the sense that I don't assume people are out to get me or to do wrong or to, to hurt we can judge actions okay this is a wrong action this is a right action it's black and white you know there we go cut dry there we go but the intentions of a person I can't judge that 
Only God searches the mind and probes the heart. Because we never know what a person is going through. Mm-hmm. You know? And then um, maybe they were raised a different way, you know, that caused that. Or maybe they have a deep hurt that they haven't dealt with yet. And look, I, it's easy. Maybe they just don't know, right? Yeah. I mean, there are three criterias um, in order for a sin to be a sin, the right? Mortal sin, yeah. Yep. You have to, it has to be grave. You have to know that it's grave and you have to freely choose it, right? We don't know if they knew. We don't know, you know, like Mm -hmm. if it was a free choice, we we just don't know what a person's going through. And hey, mental illness takes away that free choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I have conversations all the time, every day actually. Right? It's like, you know, you know that's a mortal sin. Oh, Father, no, I have no idea. I would have never done it. I said, oh, I would have been left. Wouldn't have done it so quickly. You know, mm-hmm. and so, so, um, well, did, did you have the option to do it? No, I didn't want to do it. But, yeah, you know, it's, well, I get a lot, you know, people during the coronavirus, you know, Father, I missed Sunday Mass. I wanted to come, but I couldn't. I said, well, no one could come. And so it's not a mortal sin for you because no one could come. It was an impossible thing for you. And so you didn't have a free choice to do that. Um, The clean of heart. It's whenever I'm not assuming the intentions of another person and that I can judge actions, but the heart of a person, that's for God. And if I'm able to live like that, I'm able to see the actions of God much more clearly because my heart is pure and I'm not assuming evils on other people. Mm. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers are important. God came to bring, well, so that's another scripture passage. You know, God is a peacemaker, but he also came to bring the sword, huh? Mm. Uh, to, uh, to drive a wedge between families, he says. But, you know, that's yeah, that's a gospel homily for another time. You're jumping ahead, man. Yeah. So yeah. Stick with the story. <laughs> Don't jump ahead. You're going to spoil the whole thing. Hey, by the way, he dies at the end. And But, well, at the very end, <laughs> he gets up. He rises from the dead. The very, very, the, the, you know, the epilogue. <laughs> so the blessed are the peacemakers. That Christ... He's a God of peace and of joy. And that if I go into a situation where anxiety is in the room, where, you know, turmoil is in the room, and I'm able to bring uh, clarity and peace and knowledge of a certain situation into the room, well, blessed are you because you are able to communicate God in that situation. That God doesn't cause confusion, war. Right, God brings light to a situation. It brings peace. Mm. And blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you. Blessed are they who are persecuted. Yeah, this is the ultimate. This is the eighth beatitude. It's also the most perfect of all the perfect, right? So the, the, this is kind of goes with the number Maybe one day we'll do a podcast on numbers in Scripture. But, you know, God created the uh, world in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. But then on the eighth day, right, so the eighth day is supposed to be this perfect day. Uh, in fact, Sunday is the eighth day. But the eighth beatitude is the, the highest of all the beatitudes. All of the other beatitudes are contained within this one. Instantaneously become a saint. Yes. So I mean, uh, assuming they kill you. Yeah, so a martyr, but you know. But you can uh, be martyred and you don't become a named martyr in the church. But you can be martyred without dying. Yes. So white right martyrdom, red yep. martyrdom. So the, uh, 
I, I kind of talked about this that that uh, you know this is the most perfect of all the beatitudes that God had a son without sin, but He never had a son without a cross. Never had a child that didn't have to bear their cross. Every Christian has to bear their cross without exception. We'll have to undergo some trials for Jesus Christ. This is this is this is non-negotiable, right? We all have to undergo some type of trial or tribulation for Christ. Praise the Lord. Mm. Um, now, a healthy reflection to do. And that in a world, in a society, in a culture that vehemently opposes. Vehemently. Man, you're using some big words today. It's because I almost burned down the church. I gotta make it up. <laughs> People are gonna believe that. And uh in a world, in a society, and in a culture which vehemently opposes the Catholic faith and Catholic morality. For you, for you, the listener, when is the last time you had to endure something for the church and the faith to where standing up for the faith would mean that you would be reviled, persecuted, talked bad about, retracted against, and all other types of evils only because you were a faithful Catholic and no other reason? That is a scary question, because if you can't remember the last time, uh-oh, because it's not like in our culture, we're lacking situations. I'm not saying go and find them, but God gives, allows battles to happen for his greater glory. And if he can't trust me with a battle, then something needs to change, that this one Blessed are those who are persecuted for Christ. I remember St. Thomas kind of brings this up, that the saints, the martyrs, were able to endure so much suffering, but with a completely joyful heart that they wanted to know why they couldn't suffer more for Christ. And that kind of a, an analogy for this is, you know, someone who's working out and working out consistently, you know, they at first working out is tough. They don't want to put a lot of weight on the bar. But for someone that's been working out for a while and they want, you know, they want to put more weight and that they're, they're, they're struggling even more. They're pushing themselves even harder so that they can they can work out well. Well, in the same way, once I hit my stride in virtue, I'm looking for opportunities to practice virtue. It's like, oh man, how come I'm not stuck in traffic? I wish I could practice patience, right? I mean, it's it could be something as simple as that. Or it's like, man, I, I want to stand up for Christ. And so you're, you're, you're looking for opportunities. And then when these persecutions are laid upon you, that you're able to handle them well, to handle them with Christ. And look, do not be afraid about this because God will give you the words that he never brings someone to something without bringing them through it and this is important to remember that God is always with me in my own trials so Matthew gives us eight and Luke gives us four and we heard from Luke last Sunday blessed are you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours blessed are you who are now hungry 
for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when they hate when, when people hate you and when they exclude you and insult you and denounce you and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. So if you're looking for a way to really live out the Christian faith, really actively and consciously be a disciple of Jesus, one that follows him, then I would encourage you to sit with the Beatitudes and really begin to incorporate those into your life um, and into really your being and who you are. Yeah. A great reflection for, you know, before going to confession, but yeah, the the height of Christian perfection is the Beatitudes. Mm. So... Well, thank you all for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like us, follow us on your podcast listener of choice. And if this episode's touched you or given you some, you know, something to think about, we would uh, invite you to share that with your friends and, and invite them to listen as well. Um, we hope you have a great rest of your week. Pray that Father Brady can make it back to us. And we'll see you all at Mass this weekend. God bless. God bless. God bless.